Before we dive into this podcast, I want to take a moment to guide you through some breath work. Now, the reason I want to start with this is that breath work has a powerful ability to allow us to have clarity of thought and to allow our nervous systems to go into a state of relaxation, which will allow us to focus better on what we're taking in from our environment. So start with me here. I want you to take a deep breath through your nose and then another deep breath through your nose while holding that. And then slowly exhale through your mouth. Let's do that again. So two deep inhales through your nose. Slow exhale through your mouth. One last time, two, two deep inhales through your nose. One slow exhale through your mouth. Thank you for joining this in breathwork practice, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Rewiring Health. This podcast is for those of you who have an eating disorder, chronic pain, or both. In this channel, we'll dive deep into inspirational stories of those who have healed from both and also get into the mind-body connection and how we can heal the mind through the body and also heal the body through the mind. Come and join me on this journey. Welcome to another episode of Rewiring Health. I'm so excited to be joined with Brielle Dovey today. Um, I think you guys are really going to get a lot of value out of this. So welcome, Brielle. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy we could connect on this. So Brielle and I have known each other for years and just reconnected, you know, through this, and it's it's been awesome. So how cool is that? That like we're like reconnecting in this way, same kind of wavelength. So it's awesome. (laughs) And so many things that have happened in between, which is just amazing, you know? So yeah, we'll kind of get into some of that today, Mm -hmm. but um, today we're going to talk about a lot of self-care things and managing being a mom and trying to take care of yourself and this really is such a powerful connection for people who are going through chronic pain and eating disorders because again, it really all is integrated. You know, you're all one whole person and you can't separate that. And there are times that, you know, it's really hard to take care of yourself when you have to ha- be in the mom role. And I think it's just so valuable to have this discussion and why that is so important because again, when we talk about longevity, that that's really how we thrive is when mm-hmm. we actually take care of ourselves. So yeah. I know you have, you've been through so many things and I, would you <laughs> mind sharing some of your story for? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'll start with my story is actually why I, I do what I do today and why I had to kind of make a way to like help myself. Um, but I won't go too far into it because we want to get into like strategies and self-care and stuff. But yeah, I think it's really important to explain where I came from. So um, I had an amazing life, an amazing childhood, probably never had a stressful thing, you know, besides the little things in high school and whatever, like in my entire life, I've been very fortunate. Um, And then I 
went through a pretty rough relationship, ended that, met the man of my dreams uh, a few years, got pregnant, um, and thought, you know, we're going to just live happily ever after. Everything will be fine. And so when I got pregnant, um, there were a couple little issues here and there, nothing major. They called a sub subchorionic hematoma where the, the baby actually separates from the uterus. So that had happened twice. Um, and they can tell that because they'll see like a, a bruise, like in there, it's like, looks like a bleeding. Um, but they, you know, just kind of brushed it off. Nothing, you know, nothing to worry about. It happens sometimes later on, hopefully when I finish the story, I'll explain why that's significant. Um, but you know, didn't think anything of it. Uh, had my, my first ultrasound looked good. Second ultrasound, little concern on the doctor's face. And she said that it looks like my son has club foot. Again, not really a big deal. People have, people get club foot. Brian and I both really don't have a great history of like past our parents because my dad was adopted, you know, so who knows, maybe it, it ran in the family. Every, you know, all the doctors were like, well, maybe it just ran in the family. So um, next ultrasound found out that he had a little extra digit on his hand. Again, the doctors are just like, this happens, not a big deal. You know, um, I don't know how I managed to get through the pregnancy, not in full anxiety mode, because I'll say back then I was not good at controlling anxiety. I'm yeah. better now, not perfect. I'm better, um, but we got through. Uh, Dan was born. Yes, he had club foot. He had an extra digit. And just as like the days progressed, more and more uh, started becoming, you know, just just happening, just being what's the word I'm looking for? It just like, it was like a cascade of things. Yeah. Um, so he had an extra digit. He had the club foot. They saw a little dimple on the bottom of like his spinal cord area. So they, they thought he might have a tethered spinal cord. The first two days in the hospital, he wasn't really sucking well, but they just attributed that to like, oh, well, some babies are lazy eaters, which I really hate. You know, now I hate when people yeah. say that because there, there's probably a reason babies just aren't lazy eaters. They have in their wiring that they want to survive so that that was goofy um and imagine I'm a nurse so imagine like the guilt of all this later on like as I'm telling you the story it's like hard now thinking all these red flags but as a mom I just want everything to be okay and I'm just like okay another hurdle we're over it. another hurdle we're over it um we take them home at two days, two days old, just like any, anybody else. And we have outpatient appointments scheduled, you know, to start casting for club foot, um, to check with the spinal cord and to make a very long story short, we had a horrific five weeks of, um, not being able to really feed Daniel. We would give him the bottle and he would suck and suck and suck. And then we would like flip it back over and only like this much was gone. So he was very inefficient with eating. Um, I was like yelling to every doctor, like something is wrong. Something isn't right. Brian and I are just, I mean, the stress that I can't even, it's hard to even think back, like how stressed we were in that time because we knew something wasn't right. We weren't sleeping. Mm -hmm. You already don't sleep when you have a newborn, but imagine a newborn that's constantly hungry. So he's just like screaming all the time. Oh Brian's up 
um, all night with him. I'm up all day with him, which like amazing. Brian, let me sleep all night. That was like, you know, to this day, I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever, like you want to sleep it. Like you let me sleep all those, you know, all those weeks. Yeah. It was so important. That's probably what kept me from like not it was that I got like a good six or seven hour chunk of sleep overnight. So having a supportive partner is just literally everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finally I got Daniel in with, uh, at the feeding appointment with CHOP. And they said from, for people who aren't from like PA, New Jersey area, it's Children's Hospital, Philadelphia, one of the best children's hospitals in the United States. We're very lucky that we're only half an hour from, Mm -hmm. um, we get in and, uh, the nurse practitioner there took one look at Daniel, who was only five pounds on week five of his life. He had not gained back his birth weight. Um, so he was under his birth weight by week five. And she was like, we're admitting you to the hospital, like direct admit, which was very stressful then, but hindsight saved his life, first of all. Um, And then, like I said, there was the cascade of things at home. It was just a a bigger cascade of things in the hospital, finding all all different things that were, you know, wrong with him. Mm -hmm. So I don't even like using that verbiage anymore because it's just, it was different, you know? So, we had the geneticist and she was like, you know, he doesn't look like he has any type of syndrome, but he has all these birth defects, like something, you know, it has, like something must be, be wrong. Um, and so we're in the hospital. They're trying to like train him with like feeding, um, debating, putting an NG tube in for feeding and an angel of a doctor noticed as I was holding him, I was holding him and we were out in the hallway doing a report. And I don't, I didn't always bring him out in the hallway when they were doing report, but something that day told me, oh, you know, I'll hold him so that the whole team can like visualize this is your patient. Like, this is who it is. Um, and this doctor just kept like looking at him really weird. And I was like, what the heck? Why is she looking at him like that? And then she, when they're the the other doctor is done talking, she's like, does he always breathe that way? And I was like, like how Mm -hmm. she noticed when he breathed she saw a little tugging right here. She said, he needs a sleep study, like as soon as possible. We got a sleep study that night. Again, I keep saying long story short, but I can only condense it so much. Absolutely. Um, Long story short, the next day, the pulmonary team came rushing in the room and let us know that while he's sleeping, he would stop breathing 50 times an hour, which was, I mean, that's just like, I have to like put myself somewhere else now. Cause when I think about it, it like, I don't, I don't want to ruin my makeup, yeah. <laughs> but like, literally it's just, yeah. I mean, that's just like, it's just like insanity. So they're like, we need to get him to the NICU or ICU. He got transferred to the NICU. Best thing that ever happened. And then again, the cascade of events uh, turned out that he had something called uh, Pierre Robin syndrome. Mm-hmm. And um, it, what happens is Sorry, he's playing. He's he's playing with a toy and it's very loud. Aww. I didn't take it away before. Yeah, all right. He's, he's um for I was showing Kelly before we started. I have on the Mario. So I keep if you see me glancing, that's why. Yeah. Um, he's four now, by the way. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like you know, skip to the end of the story. Like he's four. He's doing great. Area. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. Um. <laughs> So Pierre Robin syndrome, and this was probably the, one of the most significant birth defects, is when the jaw is set back, 
Mm. The tongue then therefore is set back. Um, sometimes they get a cleft lip and cleft palate. Well, he didn't have a cleft lip. He didn't have a cleft palate. His jaw was just set back. It wasn't so noticeable that like the pediatrician, nobody picked up on it. If you Google right now, Pierre Robin syndrome and see the pictures, I mean, a lot of times it's very obvious. Like the child usually is diagnosed in utero. It's that noticeable. And if not in utero, at least when they come out, Mm -hmm. his wasn't that noticeable, but the impact it was having on his breathing was they were one of the most severe cases that his doctor had ever seen. Wow. So it was literally a miracle that he lived for the five weeks that he was home. Um, I attribute a lot of that to actually Brian because Brian would swaddle him and then put him on the couch, but like in a sitting up position. And I would, I would, you know, mom hormones after you give birth, you're like super protective. I would yell at him. Why are you letting him sleep like that? He needs to be on his back, all that. Brian's like, I don't know. This is the only way he'll sleep. It was because when he's upright, his tongue would be neutral. And when he would lay down, it would flap back. So every time he laid down, he had to wake himself up literally to stay alive. So it was just, it's a very, it's a traumatizing thing. I'm still working through just realizing like there were multiple times that like we could have lost him back to the beginning where I said that he, he detached twice from the uterus. Mm -hmm. Usually children who have the genetic disorder that Dan was ultimately diagnosed with miscarry. It's very rare for children to survive. So I, I think now, like it was my body trying to miscarry and he held on and then five weeks of not being able to breathe, he survived. Um, and then I don't think, you know, there, he had a lot of different birth defects, um, but I won't get into everything just so that we can move on. But I will say it was three months in the NICU of just trauma, just and I didn't even realize I was going through trauma when it was happening. So um, lots of like touch and go, you know, a new diagnosis. He had the, so he has what's called 3P deletion, 3Q duplication. They call it syndrome, but there's only one other child in the world who has it right now. So it's not really even a syndrome. It's just like a change on his genes. Um, so I'm a carrier, which I know now we never would have known that. Um, but yeah, so it was a very traumatic time. Um, I always say, and this kind of relates to like the self-care thing now, um, when he was in the NICU, all we did was focus on Daniel in the NICU because we weren't working. Um, we stayed in the Ronald McDonald house, like chop, you know, has a Ronald McDonald house right there. And so I would wake up in the morning walk through UPenn's campus. It was a nice walk in the morning. It like decompressed me, get in to the NICU, basically play like nurse slash mom slash, you know, doctor advocate, whatever. We would stay till like seven o'clock at night. I would wait to make sure the nurse coming on was um, like, you know, I was like approved of her, which they were all great, but you know, how you know, and then we would go back and sleep. And that's literally all I had to do. So when we were discharged from the NICU, it was very disorienting. 
I was back to work within two weeks of when we were discharged from the NICU. We came home with a baby who had a feeding tube, multiple therapies, appointments constantly. Um, and now it was like, oh, you're back into real life, like just what you were doing before. But now you have a special needs infant to deal mm -hmm. with and no resources, you know, no nurse at home in New Jersey. For those of you who aren't from New Jersey, New Jersey is not a great state to have a special needs infant if you make any type of like normal salary because it's all too much. You make too much, you know? Um, so it was like the NICU, I actually miss. Even now I have these weird, like traumatic, like flashbacks of being happy there because there was a nurse 24 seven taking care of just my baby. Some nights they would only have him. The most would be him and another baby. And Brian and I got to sleep every night we hung out in the NICU next to him all day. We did what we needed to do. We didn't have work. We didn't have other family things. We didn't, nothing. It was just focus on Daniel. So when I got home, everything spiraled out of control, like full-blown depression, anxiety. I already had anxiety, obviously, from like everything we've gone through. But, um, and I had no clue, I had no clue how to take care of myself. I had no clue how to take care of a special needs baby. I mean, obviously I'm a nurse and I figured it out, but it's still new. Um, and I didn't, it's, it's even hard to like form thoughts around it because that's kind of how it felt. Like everything was just like everywhere and I couldn't get myself together. That's what I would like tell my friends. I'd be like, I just can't get it together. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, everything that we went through with Daniel kind of catapulted me into trying to find a way to help myself because nobody's coming for you. Like nobody's coming to help you. Like you can call, you know, all the like organizations that might help with special needs kids or this or that, but day in and day out, like you are here by yourself, you know, obviously with your partner, but men deal with things very differently than women. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're here like by yourself alone in your thoughts and nobody is going to like walk you through your entire day. So I had a good two years of being a hot mess and just not being able to get it together. And then one day, I don't know, I just woke up and I was like, I got to get it together. I don't know how to get it together, but I have to. Yeah. And that's kind of how all this was born. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing your story because I mean, to go through that, I can't even fathom. I think like when you have health things going on just with yourself, it can be like overwhelming and traumatizing, but yeah. I can't even imagine your, your newborn, you know, going through that yeah. with a child, like there's just like that. I would feel like more of like the helplessness and it's just yeah. like you know, that love for your child. It's like, that is just compounding everything that you're going through and to hear, you know, like I'm sure at many points I felt kind of like hopeless, like what yeah. is, oh, yeah. I don't have the answers. And, mm. and, and a lot of times too, like as a parent <clears throat> or even like any kind of traumatic situation, you almost feel like you have to hold it together for so yes. long. Yes. And then it's like the aftermath of holding it together for so long that mm -hmm. gets you worse. And it almost, exactly. it like, like, sounds like that's kind of like what you went through. Like, you know, when yeah. you in the NICU, you held it together because you yeah. had to you had to and then it's like when you have that release you're like you don't realize how much it impacts you mm -hmm. 
And yeah, then- I wish that I these tools that like I've made for myself, mm-hmm. I wish I had then because yeah. I think I would have processed everything mm-hmm. much better, you know, Absolutely. but it is what it is. I am where I am yeah. now. And Hey, it definitely like inspired me to help myself to mm-hmm. realize I want to help other people going through this stuff, but, um, and not even things like as traumatic as that, just mm-hmm. the daily ins and outs yeah. of motherhood is ridiculous. And mm-hmm. people don't realize, and what we're expected to do now as moms work a full-time job, make, you know, yeah. Tend to a house, tend to a child, multiple children. It's mm-hmm. um, it's really just like dizzying, like how much yeah. we're expected to do. So the everything that I kind of like figured out isn't just specifically for like moms who've been through trauma, specific trauma, because I think birth yeah. itself is like tra- just like having to carry a baby and like Mm -hmm. like you know that's traumatic in itself um but not even you know mom's just going through trauma just literally the day in and day out of motherhood or you know life yeah it's it's so true I mean I feel like you're so right like when you're when you're a mom you're bombarded with so many things and like you have like, you know, I, I know a lot of moms, like, I mean, I'm with this, like you try to be like that perfectionist mom where you're like, do everything perfectly. And like, you know, and then you have guilt if you can't be there for them for a hundred percent. And then like, oh, I don't have time to take care of myself because like, oh, he wants me to play right now or something Mm -hmm. like it's that constant inner battle. And it's like the day in and day out of like, how do you manage all these things? And it's true, like working full time and, you know, trying to be present for your patients or whoever mm-hmm. you're serving there and then coming home and trying to manage everything. It, it literally, it's just so overwhelming. And yeah. at the end of the day, like we, I think as moms, like believe that we are machines and we can just, yeah. you know, yeah. and we yeah. just take it and we're like, okay, I'm going to do this as graceful as I can. But I think sometimes you don't realize how many, how that impacts you long-term. Yeah. Kind of hit that breaking point where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't continue like this. Right. And, and I think it's, I think a lot of moms and, and, you know, can resonate with that because you hold it together for so long. And then at some point you just can't hold it together anymore. And then that's when you need to help yourself. Yeah. And I think a lot of times like moms are just always living in that, like, like that fight or flight mode and people Mm -hmm. don't really, and you could, this is like right up your alley. What you would speak Mm -hmm. to is people don't realize how much that changes like your body chemistry and how much it, it really affects you in a negative way. Mm -hmm. And so being able to kind of regulate that and get to a point where you feel like you do have control of some things and getting out of that fight or flight, I think is so important, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you don't realize how much dysregulation is going on until you're at a point where you start experiencing yeah. it like physically, like you get smacked in the face with it, you know, yeah, like, exactly, exactly. Yeah, like, you know, like, yeah. like, it's not, it becomes obvious because then you start getting sick. You, you know, autoimmune diseases can pop up. You get yep. the chronic pain. Like it's these like in your face things that you don't realize like have been building up for a long time because you hadn't put yourself in a better state of balance right. and you get smacked in the face with it. And it's, it is so important, you know, for anyone like, you know, moms and, you know, eating disorders, chronic pain, anything, really any person who's functioning in this modern society yeah. have tools to, yeah, exactly. to help themselves and, and do that self-care routine. Right. 
So and I, I think real quick, like tools yeah. too, I think non, you know, pharmaceutical tools, mm-hmm. I think that there's a place for, and this is coming from a nurse. So like, I think there's a place for medication. I think that it's needed. I'm great. It's, mm-hmm. I'm grateful that it, there's medication when I was at my worst, um, you know, I had to take medication to help. I luckily was, have been able to, you know, get off of that now, but the, your only tool can't be pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. And I think that society really pushes that for, especially for moms, like, okay, you're, you know, feeling depressed, take this. Oh, you've developed an autoimmune disease because you're so stressed here, take this. And I think there's a time and a place for it, but I think that there's also ways to either support yourself with taking that medication or, you know, maybe not even needing it if you have the proper foundation. Oh, hundred percent. I'm so glad you brought that up because it is so true. Like our modern medical society is that quick fix, like, and that is medication. And unfortunately there are a lot of financial, uh, gains, gains. Yeah. (laughs) From other people to Yes. Yes. And, uh, and, and unfortunately that's where it goes. And unless you know that there's other options, like I don't blame people for taking that on because that's what we're told to do. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right. And like, and you know, it, it does. And I completely agree. I'm not one to say, nope, get rid of all medications, but there's definitely a time and a place, but research shows the combination of behavioral modifications and medical interventions is really the best combination. And then making that a short-term thing. Right. Right. Most instances, obviously there's some that require long-term medication, but, um, but yeah, the combination is necessary. So I'm on the same page. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's something we have like talked a little bit before and that's not even anything we discussed. So it's cool to kind of like go there and be like, oh yeah, we're on the same page with that. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And and it works. Like that's the thing I think because there's such a push in medication, we don't see a like a big push in behavioral modification because first of all, like insurance doesn't cover it. So that's a big thing. Like, you know, it all goes along with where the money is. And unfortunately it, the money doesn't dictate what actually works the best. Right. Right. I feel like we could have a whole other, not even a podcast, but like a series, (laughs) like maybe I know I like seeing things happen. Like I'm like, okay, we totally could do like a whole thing on that. (laughs) We'll have to do another episode down the line, just like diving into this because it literally is like, that is what I think is missing for so many people is Mm -hmm. that like, they're kind of led astray, like here's your solution. And then when it kind of backfires, it doesn't work or you have repercussions or consequences of that, then there becomes that like lack of hope and then it spirals again. Right, exactly. And yeah, and I, yeah, combining that and getting self-care strategies is like the ultimate long-term solution for people. Yes. So I know you, you talked about like a lot of what you've kind of gone through, but like, Mm -hmm. where did you um, and I know you had that kind of like after a few years of going through that, you're yeah. like, you need to change something. Where did you start? Like what, you know, when you were kind of hitting that rock bottom, like where did you know how to start or what to do? Yeah, I, I started with the internet, which is really a disaster, right? Because there's so many, so much. So it's the best thing and it's the worst thing. Yeah. And um, I just, I don't know. I think I looked up one day, like, 
motivational podcasts or podcasts to help me get it together or something like that. And one of my big inspirations now, Mel Robbins popped up. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. I am. I'm familiar yeah, with Mel. yeah. And I, I just think, I think she's just right on with so yeah. many things and she just has a great way of delivering it. And I remember looking at the video and I forget what it was titled, but I was just like, oh, this is going to be like silly. Like I'll listen to it though, whatever. And by the end, I felt like so energized and I was like, oh my gosh, like maybe, maybe she's onto something. So I just started with like constantly listening to different things like that. And then being a nurse, of course, I know like the basics of, you know, anxiety and like the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous and all that type of stuff. So like, obviously there was like that, like science base to what I thought my strategies would be, but I wasn't really quite sure how to get there. So um, as I was like going through, I love, I listened to Andrew Huberman Oh, Tom yeah. Billiou and Mel Robbins. Those are like my people. And yeah. I just listen yeah. to them constantly. And then they have like such amazing guests on that are all about like mindset and shifting mindset. And so I like told myself, I'm like, you, you need to shift your mindset. And probably a year ago, if I told myself that I would have been like, there's that's silly. You're just telling yourself to do it, but there's literally science behind shifting your mindset. Um, and so I don't know, I just started like reading a lot of like people that they had on a, as guests. Um, I would, when I was like doing passive kind of stuff, like at work, like, you know, in Excel for whatever, I would just have it on behind me. And then that's kind of how I was like, oh my gosh, all of this is such good information, but it's all over the place. And it's very difficult to digest for a busy working mom. Mm -hmm. So like I have the, um, I guess, you know, like privilege and the time that I have a job as a nurse where I have time where I'm doing like passive things. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, working in Excel, I do, uh, different things with risk management. And sometimes it's very passive and I have the time to sit and just have something like that playing in the background and like absorbing some of it. Mm -hmm. Most busy working moms don't have that. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking like, gosh, there's has to be something like better, like a mindset thing for moms. And I really didn't find it. So that's where all of this kind of all, like everything that I've been doing lately was born of like, I want easily digestible mindset hacks kind of mm -hmm. backed by science that I can give to moms and it will actually help them. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of where everything came from. <laughs> I, I love that. Cause I, I think you're so right on. I mean, there, there's no shortage of information out there. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you if you want the information that's out there, it's but there compacting it into something that's digestible is so important because yeah. you're right. You don't have time to, most people don't have time to sit and just listen and, and know where to even get those resources from. Right. And then the, the coins from it, you know, the most important parts and then put it together. So that's invaluable, you know, as far as getting that getting the information out there. Yeah. yeah I'm like, I think that all these people, um, I like wrote something down about this that I was like, oh, I really want to, I think, oh, I think that all the information is great, but it's just, it's very, 
it's very complicated content, you know, and even though those, the people like that I mentioned, like Mel Robbins and Tom, yeah. you know, those people that I listen to, I think that they're great for like a general person. But again, like for a mom, it's just a mom needs so much more condensed than like a normal person. Yeah. And, you know, we're in the age and, you know, of the th- you know, with the phone, just like people are just swiping so quickly, so quickly. And as much as I want someone, cause it's better for them to sit and actually, you know, read a book about it or even listen to a full podcast. Mm-hmm. I would love that. But the reality is that's not what people are doing. That's why I love your stuff so much because it's quick and it gives you like, you know, this is what, this is your problem. This is what you do. This is, you know, so. Yeah. yeah and I, I think that's really empowering too. Like when you can see even the smallest change, like when you get that information and then you think differently right? Like the day before you're like, wow, like, okay, now I have a different perspective. And yeah. at the end of the day, it is all about your perspective. You know, yes. the world doesn't necessarily change, but when you change how you view it and you change how your stressors are and everything, that is the key to it. So if you can, you need to frame it in a way that will be valuable to you. Exactly. That's not just like wooey, wooey stuff of like, Oh yeah, you just have to think positive. There's actual ways you can change your neural pathways to frame something. And that those those have just been like light bulb moments for me lately that I've been going Mm -hmm. off like, Oh my gosh, this is, and then like, oh, it's really working. So like the yeah. first time that you start doing something, you know, like a, a new habit I've been doing, which I don't, I don't recommend for everybody. And it can be a little bit extreme, but I'm really into Wim Hof right now with his oh, yeah. like cold water therapy. Yeah. yeah. So I've been just, all I do is cold showers. I'm not plunging myself, you know, yeah. into like whatever, but this is like day five of it. And I can't even explain to you. Literally, I wake up at like five every morning. And I do my cold shower. And by nine o'clock, sometimes I feel like I've gotten a day's worth of stuff done. Yeah. Just from that one little change. So when you start seeing like this, you know, and sometimes you do something and it doesn't work, that's fine. But to try it, to like try to see if it works. And then if it does, your mindset like really shifts around it is just so, so valuable. So valuable. And, and just going off of that, like the cold showers, cold exposure, there is a real science to that. Yes, that, yes. that is it, it um, you know, increases your body temperature throughout the day, which increases alertness. It mm-hmm. changes your neurotransmitters in the morning. Mm-hmm. So it makes you more alert throughout the day. Mm-hmm. It your circadian rhythms. I mean, there's actual real science behind right. that. It's not just like, let me just hop in the shower. Jump in cold water and yeah, shock like, myself. There's a yeah. reason to that. And I, I was actually doing that too, before oh, I got pregnant. I have oh, been yeah. <laughs> pregnant, but I'm going to return once I yeah. have this baby. But um, yeah, but it, it really works. And that's like something that, you know, anyone can do as long as you're, you're within a healthy range to, right. to do that. But um, but that's something that's simple. Like most people have access to cold water. Cold you know? water, yeah, exactly. It's just something that like it doesn't take you long, and and that sets your precedence for the day, mm-hmm. and and makes you more resilient throughout life because at yeah. the end of the day you can go back to like, oh, here is my routine. If I'm having a really bad day, let me go back to what works. Yes, and, and that's, that's what I've been like. I've had you know we've had some like ups and downs through everything with Daniel and just life in general. And I find now having like a routine and a routine that is actually 
backed in scientific strategies, my recovery is quicker. And if you have a quicker recovery, then you can keep pushing on and do what you need to do as a mom, as a wife, as a, as a, you know, contributing member of society. Absolutely. And I think sometimes too, it's like that mentality of like, you always have to keep pushing forward, push forward, push forward. But sometimes the step back is what allows you to jump forward. Yes. And I think that's where a lot of people need to give themselves some grace that like, you're not going to be at your hundred percent every day. And that is okay. Don't, don't fault yourself for it. Don't be shameful of it. Just recognize like, that's your cue to take a step back, help yourself. And then now you're in a much better place to other people. Yeah. It's really like that airplane example. You put your own ma- oxygen mask on first. Yes, that's like my favorite thing. And I used to think that was so corny, but being a mom, it's so true. And yeah. like, yeah, making sure, you know, your glasses filled first. Yeah. And so that's kind of, that's what I've been doing is making sure that my glasses filled first. And I'm noticing everybody else is happier around me if I do that, you know? So great. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I think it's just like, you know, for anyone who's in like a rough place right now, I think just trying something different, if yeah. you don't Resetting. Have to forever, but try something different today, you know, do something that you don't normally do and see how it works. And, yeah. and that's part of that, like learning, you're always learning. And it's like the curiosity of it. Like what, yeah. what makes you curious? What gives you that different result? Because if you're just doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you always have. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. So I know you talked about the cold showers. What are some other daily habits that you do to keep yourself in a good place? Yeah. So I, I actually was just writing stuff down on a piece of paper of like mm-hmm. my routines every day. Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, let me make this into like more of a journal. Um, and so now that's what I do is I actually have a journal that I created myself that's based on my habits. And this is what I do. So in the morning I have a sheet where, let me, let me start like really, cause some of it's in the journal that I do and some of it's not. So I'll mention if it's something that's in the journal. Um, I wake up between 5.00 AM and 5.30. I do that so that I could see the sunrise so that I can get that that new, you could explain it, I'm sure better than I can, but that, that morning light, light is yeah. good for, your mood, for Mm -hmm. your motivation, for your focus. Um, So that's been like kind of my, that's my, that's one of my newer habits. I I was getting up early, but then I was just like tidying up or maybe doing a stretch or this or that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, get up, go outside. So I go out, I take my German shepherd out and he absolutely loves it. We play a little fetch. We take care of the chickens and ducks because we have chickens and ducks. Yeah. One charged me this morning. One got out somehow. Yeah, and it like charged me, and I was like, ah, that that gave me like a quick. That woke me up quickly because it, that was fight or flight. I'm like, what is attacking me right now? Um, so I get up, I do that, and then come in, take a cold shower, and that really like gets me going for the day. Um, and then I sit and journal, and when I say journal. I don't mean like sit and write a book about, you know, whatever's going on. I have a very simple sheet and it asks me for two things that I want to manifest today. Um, 
So it can be, I'll sometimes put something like huge, you know, like maybe building our new house, like something big like that. Or maybe I just say like a fun day with Daniel, <laughs> you know, just yeah. whatever. Um, and then that she has a place later to write gratitude, what you're thankful for. And as you know, there, again, there's really science behind yeah. manifestation and gratitude. First of all, when you write down your goals and what you want to do, mm -hmm. it makes your brain like alert for those things. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll give like two examples of how I think the manifestation really helps. Mm -hmm. One, have you ever, for example, we were going to buy a new car and we were looking at different cars. And I think we, we settled on the Volkswagen Atlas mm -hmm. and I never see that car like ever. Well, after we test drove it and saw it, Literally, I, I, I could walk outside and one would probably drive by right now. Mm -hmm. That's not because the universe is sending me atlases. It's because my brain is now aware yeah. and I'm seeing it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you write down what you want, your brain's going to be looking for ways to get that and for that thing. So that's one thing with the manifestation that I think people really think, oh, this is just, you know, goofy stuff. No, there's actually a science behind it. And then there was a Harvard study where they took piano players and you might be familiar with this. They took piano players and they scanned their brain as they were playing piano mm -hmm. and certain parts lit up. Well, then later on, they had them pretend to play piano and the same parts in the brain lit up. So your brain actually can't, and I'm really oversimplifying this, but I think that's all we need to like start the habit. Yeah. Your brain doesn't know the difference between like doing something and pretending to do it. So if you are writing down every day, like what you want to do, your manifestation, your brain thinks it's happening. And then that that's going to start spiraling and snowballing and things are going to happen for mm -hmm. you. So yeah. I do my manifestation. Um, and the light, the cold, the manifestation, and then movement, because you know that movement is so important. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Uh, and this is something that's in the journal. I have like a little movement tracker and it's not an exercise plan. It's not some intense exercise. Sometimes I just lay my mat out. Again, my German shepherd loves, you know, that's my buddy is up with me early. Mm -hmm. And I just do some stretching and I just do what I feel I need to do. I don't put on even like a YouTube video of, you know, abs or this or that. Maybe I do that later when I'm doing like an actual workout. I literally just move how I feel I need to. And if anyone looked in the house while I was doing it, they would probably think like, what is this girl doing? Like, I'm like, ah, you know, like doing yeah. crazy stuff, but that, you know, helps your body get going for the day and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So that's, currently my morning routine. And then of course, throughout the day, I have other things. And these are the things that I have like in my journal, I make sure that I get at least 30 minutes a day of like getting my heart rate up, mm -hmm. um, making sure that, like I said, the stretching, the heart rate, some strength training a couple times a week, that is so important, you know, like cardio is great, but people don't realize how important it is too to build muscle. Um, and then also I have a routine when I eat to only eat. I'm not, you know, loading the dishwasher while I'm throwing food in my mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, I shoot for doing 
uh, a green at least at lunch and dinner. So just like these little things that make a big difference that end up like spiraling into bigger and better habits. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are like, those are my like key things I do throughout the day. And the reason I do those things is because I think that if you don't, you're on a path for disaster. Like these are very, very, very basic habits and routines. And I like coined it fess, fess up. So it's food, exercise, sleep, stress. And then I added an extra S for science that it's all science-based. And I always take it kind of backwards. So like, okay, it's based on science. We make sure our stress is under control as much as we can, our sleep, exercise and food because if you're not addressing those basic things you're set up for failure and it takes a lot I think as a mom to literally fess up and realize that a lot of the issues you're having are because you're not taking care of yourself and you're not doing that stuff and that took a lot for me like I would blame everything on everything else as to why, you know, things are crazy and why I couldn't get it together. And of course I had a very traumatic experience, but I had to fess, I had to fess up. I had to address these things. And then once all those needs are met, evaluate, are you still having this issue, that issue, then maybe you need to add other things, you know? So my habits are really based around that like fess up model that I created. And um, yeah, I forget. I think that was the original question. Like what my habits are. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I love that. And, uh, and it is true. Like they are science-based and I just wanted to go back to uh, the manifestation because I think, you know, a lot of times people hear that and like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, like, absolutely. and they dismiss it, but it is actually, it really does have a science base and it's part of the reticular activating center. Yes. So it is, your brain is actually wired when you are thinking in a certain direction, it will see more of that. So your yes. brain is constantly trying to problem solve. And if you give it a direction of what it needs to problem solve, it'll figure that out. Unfortunately, it also works on the flip side. So if you think of every problem you have in life, mm-hmm. your brain will figure out how to bring more of that onto you. Right. It, it does work both ways. It's just a matter of directing those centers in your brain towards something that serves you long term. So, yeah. Yeah. That was such a better explanation than I had. And I love it. No, because I feel like I always, I, it's like, I know what I'm trying to say. And that was perfect. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it really, yeah. it really does work. And, sure. and like applying that on a daily basis, it, it really does work. And, and I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I am a science-based person. Like I, I need to know why it works. Yes. Like, when somebody saying, do this, like, well, I'm not going to do it unless I know that it has some real justification of how it works and, and right. basis, because I like to know why I'm why? doing and I think it's important for everybody. Like, why are you doing that? How does it actually work? And, and that's where that science-based part of it, I think is, is key because I think a lot of people like to know why they're doing what they're doing. And yeah, I think, yeah, I think most people do. So that's kind of helps. Yeah. It helps people a lot. Yeah. Like nobody wants to do anything arbitrary. It doesn't doesn't do anything. So I love your, your system. And I think that's 
amazing. And I'll put the links and everything so you can oh, yeah. access that and, and get more information on what Brielle's doing. Cause I think that's awesome. Like really having that consistency throughout your day when everything else is tumultuous is what allows your nervous system to feel like it is in control. Right. And, and has that regulation. And, and actually, you know, a healthy nervous system is one that does respond to stress, but can get back to that homeostasis or level of balance and having the consistency allows it to get back to the balance. Exactly. People who don't have a system in place, you spiral out of control. You get up to this point where you are just over anxious, overwhelmed, and then you have that crash and then you just don't even care anymore. And, and that's what happens. And then you don't, that's where I was for two years. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah. and that's, that's your nervous system responding. But the problem is that we're all, we're smart creatures. So we experience that. And then we feel guilty. Like what is wrong with me? Why mm-hmm. am I doing this? Why, you know, why can't I just get myself together? And I know you said it like, well, I can't get myself together. Yeah. And you like fault yourself for that versus like, when you understand like, this is literally what your body was designed to do. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Yes. And you're just not giving it the right tools to work in a different way. Right. So it's like that separation of like, this is what my body's doing. It's doing everything right. Versus like, I can't go down on myself for things not being well, if I'm not doing what I need to do to help my system. Yeah. And I think a good example, maybe for people to tie it together is the same thing when you have a fever, right? Mm -hmm. When you have a fever and you have, say your body's fighting some type of virus or bacteria, the reason that you're getting that fever is so that it can kill that virus or bacteria. So yeah. So there are times, you know, you take Tylenol motion to bring it down because yeah, you, it's very uncomfortable to have a fever, right? But your body's doing what it's supposed to do. And so to let your body do what it's supposed to do is so important, but like you said, being able then to recover and the way that you recover is by having that routine. If you have that routine in place and one thing I want to say is it is hard. It's hard to build a routine at first. And that was my issue. And another reason why I put all this together, all this, I have like some of my sheets, all this together is because I would open like those gratitude journals that you get at Target or like Amazon or whatever. And it would just be like, drink your water, eat this, do that, blah, blah, blah. Like all this stuff all on one page. And it was like sensory overload. And I would just sit there and be like, okay. And I would start filling it out by day three. I would maybe only be filling in my water. Then I would see that I didn't fill everything out and I would get depressed that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do that I decided I was going to do in this journal. And it was so frustrating. And so I said, I need a way to like build slowly. And so what I did with this journal is the first week you only do manifestation and gratitude. That's all you do. You don't worry about your mindful eating. You don't worry about the sleep, the stress, whatever. If you're already doing those habits and you know, great, you want to jump right in, that's fine. But it's really designed for someone who's like beginner at getting it together, you know? And so the first day, all it is, or the first week, that's all you need to focus on is manifestation and gratitude. Then the second week you do manifestation and gratitude and you add in the um, sleep, which we didn't talk about when I was talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But my whole thing with sleep is good routine 
is what is my little, I have like a thing that I always say, quality sleep equals no screen and a good routine. Mm-hmm. And so yep. all everything in the journal around sleep is based off of that. Like mm-hmm. making sure that you're being accountable and turning off your screen a certain amount of time before you go to bed, when even when you wake up, you know, a lot of people wake up and they're just on the, it does not help your brain, right? So that's the second week. The second week is doing your manifestation and gratitude and then focusing on this quality sleep. Then the third week, you add in the exercise. Then the fourth week, you add in the food habits. So you don't feel overwhelmed. You don't feel like you're failing. If you look at a sheet of paper and you have like all your manifestation and gratitude written down, and maybe you skipped a few days, not a big deal. When you have manifestation and gratitude, the amount of water you drank, did you exercise? Did you do this all in one page? And you barely filled anything out. Your brain is going to tell you like you failed that, you know, and it's, and it's then that will sometimes contribute to that poor self-talk. And then it's just like a spiral. It's a spiral out of control. So the whole idea with my journal and me building these habits were to do it slowly because mm-hmm. we all know it takes however many days. I don't know. I feel like it changes every, it's like 60 to like 130 days or something to build a habit, but I'm at, but like building multiple habits at once can be complicated and it could take longer. So yeah. again, like you had said before, just having like grace mm-hmm. for yourself. And yeah. if you don't, do it all the way you wanted to the first time. Don't worry about it. Or maybe reevaluate. Maybe it doesn't work well for you. Maybe, yeah. maybe you don't like writing down your manifestation in the morning. Maybe for you, it's better at night. And that's why you weren't doing it because you didn't want to do it in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that self-awareness I think is so important and it takes a long time to get there. And I'm still not hundred percent there, but I know I'm more yeah. self-aware than I was. So Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the big thing. Like the brain is wired to do what's easy, you know, you make it, if you make the positive habit challenging, like you're only going to make it hard on yourself and then you're not going to succeed. And like you said, it's a snowball effect. Like you're not setting yourself up for success. So it it shouldn't feel like this overwhelming thing. So I I think that's awesome what you did with your journal and doing those compounding habits, like that really makes such a, a difference. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm sure when people do it, you know, like to recognize where they are day one versus where they are day 10, 30, 60, they'll see the changes. And, you know, I I think the thing is, is like when you can see a change in yourself, it's motivating. You're Mm -hmm. like, wow, let's keep going, you know? So it's like when you can see that, that's where you're going to set yourself up for success long term. Right. Just for the short term. Right. And being such a science person, I actually have a little part in my journal. I give myself every time I do something, I give myself habit points. And then at the end of the week, I have like a little graph and it'll have Mm -hmm. like the habit points up the, I'm going to be bad with my axes, Uh axes. And then across, I have the week it is. And so I will mark where I am and then you see it go up. And the way I designed it is that no matter what, you're going to go up because you're mm-hmm. adding a new habit each yeah. week. So as you add a new habit, you're getting more habit points automatically. So you're kind of tricking your brain into, yeah. oh, look, I'm doing really well. And you probably are. You're probably doing it because it's really easy. It's not mm-hmm. difficult to like, you know, fill out throughout the day. I think for me, it like keeps me grounded, but I see, like, see it go up each week. 
Yeah. Which is, I just think it's so important. There's so, I just think it's so important to trick your brain. And I don't even like saying it that way, but it is, it's, you kind of have to trick your brain into yeah. getting it together. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think just like that visual and more of like an objective look at it, yes. your, your brain can respond to that. Like, oh, this is real. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I love that. Like getting, you're basically giving yourself feedback, which is right. awesome. And yes. that's how the brain works. You get that feedback loop. And, and as long as it's positive, you just keep on going in that route. So that's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this has been like, I, I, I definitely want to do like a round two because yeah, I feel like so we could fun. talk forever on this stuff, but for anyone who wants to connect with you, um, or, you know, access your journal, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can go to my website, momsmart.info, and then all of my handles for, I have, I have a TikTok and Instagram and Facebook so far, and it's momsmarter, um, and you can find me there, so. Perfect, and I'll I'm put in the show notes too. Yeah, yeah, I'm That's looking fun. forward to hearing from people, and just, you know, for people having a rough time, just like, keep pushing forward, but like what Kelly said was, don't be afraid to take a step back and, and really look at everything from like a, a higher perspective and figure out, you know, where you need to go. So put, yeah. it's, it's confusing, push forward and take a step back, but it's true. It, it's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing is linear in life. That's exactly. for sure. So yeah, you're definitely going to have those ebbs and flows, but yeah. I think this has been such an awesome conversation. I feel like so many people are going to get value from it, especially moms who, understand the struggles of, of daily life. So I think this is awesome. And like I said, I'll um, put in the show notes, how you can connect with Brielle. And so, I definitely think we'll have to do another, another. Yeah. I think we have a lot talk for days. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It's yes. an honor to be on your podcast. Oh, I'm so cool. happy to have you. It's been so yeah. awesome to reconnect, especially under this premise. Like, yeah, for sure. And awesome. So thank you again, Brielle. All right. Take care. You too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Rewiring Health. To get updates on new episodes on this channel, please subscribe. And to support the channel, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please write a review and rate it.